Lunchtime replay from Money FM 89.3. Hashtag Wanderlust with Tim Go only on Money FM 89.3. I've got a lot of things to talk about on Hashtag Wanderlust today, from credit card usage while you're traveling, making sure you've got the right paperwork, and flight attendants being forced to go on a diet. Yep, all that coming up on this edition of Hashtag Wanderlust. But of course, one of the most frustrating things that can happen to you while you are traveling is having your credit card denied when you're paying. Well, this recently happened to me on my trip to New York last month. Soon as I arrived in JFK, I went to my DBS Bank app to check if my cards are still activated for overseas use, as it should be. But it didn't work when I tried to purchase a subway ticket. I went back to the app and activated it again just to be sure. Now, if you're not aware, many U.S. uh, businesses in uh, America are still using credit card magnetic swipe system, which is an outdated mode of payment for decades now. Now, the magnetic strip is still in many Singapore cards, but are deactivated by default. We need to activate this for use when traveling. So the next day, I started getting SMS messages from the bank saying it has blocked my credit card and that they needed to talk to me about potential fraud. Well, it is very inconvenient, of course, to have to call the bank while you are overseas to prove to them that you are indeed overseas. So I spoke to the person involved. She unblocked my card, promised to pay for my roaming fees uh, incurred during that long call, and also promised to indicate in my records that I am a frequent visitor to the U.S., so I won't be disrupted when I'm traveling. Well, I've heard all that before. Every U.S. visit I do, I get into this problem. In the beginning, I did uh, think that there was fraud and would agree to have my cards change. That, of course, means having to reset up all the bill payments taken out of your credit cards uh, when you get back to Singapore. Eventually, I realized It was the card swiping that triggers this fraud alert with the banks. I was advised to inform the bank every time I travel so they know I'm overseas. Well, personally, I don't think that's very practical, uh, given that I travel very often. But what I do now is I tweet the bank just to inform them that I'm going to be overseas so they don't try to block my card when I need them the most. I think you should do the same. Anyway. When you're traveling, don't forget to complete all your paperwork because uh, that's very important. We, we tend to forget, this, especially if we hold passports that are deemed to be more powerful. Like, well, I have one passport that is uh, deemed to be powerful, like my Canadian passport. And the Singapore passport is one of the most powerful passports in the world, giving you visa-free access to about 100 uh, countries around the world. However... Do not ruin your holiday because of insufficient paperwork. I'm bringing this up now because I know many people had their holidays delayed or even canceled because they forgot to apply for entry authorization, which is different from having a visa. I'll get into that a little bit later on. More importantly, there are countries that don't require a visa but will require some sort of authorization even before you board your flight. For example, 
Under the visa waiver program, Singaporeans won't need a visa to travel to the U.S. as a tourist. But not everyone is eligible to go to the U.S., it seems. America requires citizens from visa waiver countries to apply for a so-called Electronic System for Travel Authorization, or ESTA, to determine your eligibility to enter the U.S., it is usually a pain-free process. Just go onto the website and follow instructions. It costs just $4 to apply and an additional $10 when your application is approved for that ESTA to be issued. And it's usually done in uh, issued in 72 hours. You won't be able to check into your flight without an ESTA. And do, do not get a third-party travel agency to apply on your behalf unless you're prepared to pay hefty service fees of up to $60 in some cases. Now, since late uh, in 2017, travelers to Canada are also required an ETA, or the Electronic Travel Authorization, very similar to the U.S. ESTA. You apply for this online as well, pay a $7 fee, and the ETA usually approve within minutes. Same thing if you want to go to Australia. You will have to apply for an electronic travel authorization. The Australian version will cost you about $20. Again, for both Canada and Australia, apply on your own online to save money and safeguard your passport information as well. Now, I was told by several Muslim friends that uh, they were delayed with their applications for electronic authorization for up to weeks because, well, part of their full name may contain name combinations that are similar to other people on a watch list. Recently, a good friend of mine only got his Canada authorization weeks after he applied. So he had to travel by land instead. Crossing the border from the U.S. to Canada or from Canada to the U.S. won't require uh, electronic travel authorization if you already have a visa or you're on a visa waiver program. Singaporeans can access most of South America visa-free, of course, for tourism purposes, except Venezuela. But I don't think you want to go there anyway with the political turmoil. India still requires Singaporeans to get a visa for a visit, but it made the process easier with an e-visa system. All you have to do is apply online, pay a $25 fee, and avoid having to answer absurd questions on the traditional visa application form. Anyone who's uh, tried to answer or fill up the application form would know what I'm talking about. For most of the Middle East, Singaporeans will have to obtain visas on arrival at the respective airports for visits of more than 24 hours. Egypt has implemented a visa on arrival system, but if you ask the embassy here in Singapore, you could be told that applying for one at the embassy would be better. That will also be more expensive. Uzbekistan recently lifted visa requirements for Singaporeans traveling for tourism purposes, making it easier to explore the landlocked country, but direct flights to Uzbekistan have been cancelled from Singapore. You will need a visa to go to Russia. The process is quite complicated. Tourists will need to get a travel agency or a hotel to issue a confirmation letter or some sort of an invitation, which means you will need to book with them first before you can apply for a visa online. If you're going to Bhutan, well, the visa application is not expensive, though it is very strict. The kingdom vets visitors based on their ability to spend. Visitors will have to spend a minimum of at least 250 U.S. dollars a day in food, hotel, and accommodation, which are arrangements done through a travel agency. Now, when applying for a visa, don't make the mistake that I often do, putting in the wrong birth year, because I'm not paying attention 
Doing so would mean another application have to be made, and that can cost you money. Also, when traveling, make sure your passport doesn't expire while you are in the middle of a trip. The country can refuse you entry if your passport has less than six months of validity. It happened to me before in Indonesia, even though I was going there for just a day, in fact, less than 24 hours, my passport had six-month validity minus one day. Yep. It caused some disruption, of course. I did manage to get in after some consideration by the friendly immigration officer. And now for some trending airline news. A leaked memo revealed Air India cabin crew and pilots are going to be put on a strict, low-calorie diet. Now, let me read you what the memo said as published by India's Economic Times. These are the exact words, by the way. Taking into consideration the health factor of the crew, an initiative has been taken by the director of operations to revise the in-flight food menu for crew members. In view of the above, special low-fat diet meal crew has been worked out on a day-wise basis in order to provide light and healthy meal with a home Indian touch. Those are the exact words of the memo that was leaked to Indian media. So how do you read into this? Some said the airline is fat-shaming its crew and its pilots. Some said it is good that the airline is finally uh, looking after the welfare and the health of its crew by offering healthy meals only. Remember, this is not an option. Healthy meals only. Others say it's just cost-cutting on India's part, Air India's part. Now, let's consider Air India's history here. In 2017, Air India gave 60 flight attendants an ultimatum to lose weight or face disciplinary action. Overweight flight attendants were banned from flying international routes and given 18 months to slim down or get fired. Well, Air India isn't the only one, apparently. In 2017, Malaysia Airlines fired 55 flight attendants because they failed to maintain their ideal weight, as stipulated in the grooming manual. Pakistan International Airlines put 30 flight attendants on disciplinary action and forced them to lose weight to keep their jobs. Russia's Aeroflot also got into some trouble and bad publicity after flight attendants sued the airline for discriminating crew based on age and weight. The lawsuit claimed anyone older than 40 and larger than a size small or medium were taken off coveted international flights. Well, the group of flight attendants lost that case. So now back to Air India. Do you think flight attendants have to maintain a certain weight and figure to be able to truly serve you and make sure the flight is safe and secure? Well, it's believed airlines here in Asia do impose some sort of restrictions on the image of their flight crews in uniform as they do represent the airline in many ways. But these policies are not common in European and North American airlines. Now, remember the British Airways pilot strike I told you about last week? Well, because of that, BA pilots are now being sanctioned, and penalties include losing one of their most valuable privilege, staff tickets. BA management told pilots that since they failed to report to duty, their benefits will be cut. So for the next three years, these pilots will lose the perk of only paying 10% of the cost of standby tickets for themselves and their family. They also lose the 500-pound confirmed ticket fare they're entitled to. 
they can no longer use staff travel perks as well to commute to work as they used to. Now, on top of all of this, pilots will lose the full amount of numerous bonus payouts they usually get every year. As it turns out, although travel perks and bonuses are part of their contract, they're still awarded at the discretion of the airline, and BA is now exercising this discretion to send a message out. BA's memo to pilots, which was leaked to London papers, wrote, While we acknowledge your decision to take part in the strike, your industrial action has severely impacted the operations of the airline and will undoubtedly suffer additional costs and further losses as a result. So BA said it makes no apology about imposing sanctions on its pilots as it is doing everything it can to protect BA customers from further disruption. Now, BA said its pilot community have been made aware of the forfeiture of their non-contractual benefits as a consequence of their strike action. Well, the strike cost BA up to 100 million pounds for those days that BA didn't fly, disrupted 200,000 passengers and their travel plans, and of course, the loss of goodwill among a lot of passengers. Now, let's round this up on a happier note. Air Canada is setting the trend when it comes to airline lounge concepts, while the likes of Cathay Pacific and Singapore Airlines invest in making their flagship lounges feel as comfortable as home. Air Canada is taking theirs to a different direction. Air Canada creating a new lounge concept that focuses on time-sensitive travelers looking purely for a place to charge up their devices, their computers, their phones, or even themselves. The opening of the Air Canada Cafe at Toronto Pearson International Airport supports the existing Maple Leaf lounges in the airport. Now, this new grab-and-go concept offers travelers in a hurry a different and more health-focused approach. So if you're always in a hurry, you're always in between flights and just transiting for, well, 30 minutes or so, you have a few minutes to spare, you can run to the Air Canada Cafe, grab a packed salad or sandwich, stock up on your nuts and chips and cookies, and eat it on the go or eat it when you're on board. Drinks are also designed for you to take away, like soda, healthy juices, waters are all bottled in the fridge area, similar to what you would find in any cafe. And if coffee is what you need, uh, well, there's a coffee bar with a real barista to prepare your tall, non-fat soy latte, if that's what you want. Um, Or you can have a normal cafe drink dispensed by the machine. The cleverness of this concept extends to the packaging because you'll start seeing people walking around the airport with an Air Canada Cafe coffee cup or a bag stuffed with edible goodies. The look and vibe of the Air Canada Cafe is similar to trendy city cafes you'll see in Toronto. Just bigger, with more self-service areas to suit your needs. Every table and sitting area also comes with a power outlet for recharging. Air Canada will gradually introduce this concept as it's at its other hubs in Montreal, Calgary, and Vancouver. One last thing. One last thing I have to tell you about in this edition of Hashtag Wanderlust. It's a sad day for North American flyers in the know. Uh, The last airline with a domestic Canada to U.S. route is giving it up to. Cathay Pacific is quitting the Vancouver, New York JFK service in the spring next year after 23 years in service. The writing has already been on the wall for this and Cathay Pacific's current troubles 
finally made it decide to pull out the service. For the longest time, Cathay Pacific and Philippine Airlines flew from Vancouver to New York on a domestic route, which was allowed by Canadian aviation authorities. Now, this meant travelers in the know can book these flights because they are cheaper. Most of the time, both airlines are merely dropping off passengers on their way to New York as a final destination, and they pick up passengers in Vancouver. Uh, And those passengers, like myself, I used to do this, paying just about 500 U.S. dollars for a return ticket. It also means you get full service on both uh, Cathay Pacific and Philippine Airlines. And what I mean by full service, it means full Asian service, complete with a hot meal, a snack, and free checked-in luggage. All the other airlines flying the same route will charge for everything else. Now, Cathay Pacific says it is losing money on this sector since it uh, now only flies direct, it already flies direct nonstop from Hong Kong to New York up to three times a day, including that nonstop to Newark. Uh, Philippine Airlines also stopped the Vancouver JFK service when it mounted daily nonstop from Manila to New York, the eighth longest flight in the world with their brand new long-range aircraft. Vancouver International Airport made a name for itself as Asia's gateway to North America when it became a necessary hub for airlines to fly from Asia to the West Coast and beyond in the 1990s until very recently there were no aircraft with the range to fly from Asia and beyond the west coast of America without a refueling stop. If you recall, Singapore Airlines would make stops in Tokyo before L.A., Hong Kong before San Francisco, and when it still had a Vancouver service, it stopped in Seoul for refueling. Well, with better and more efficient aircraft today, planes can fly longer and further without having to make a stop halfway. So I'm talking about this because I was once a regular on the Vancouver to JFK flights, but not anymore. And I guess that's one more reason why the flights will be discontinued. Well, those are the latest aviation news here on Hashtag Wanderlust this Wednesday. Join me again next week with more news and information about traveling, aviation, and holidays. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.